Welcome to Pop Cultured. I'm Bridget Armstrong. We're going to start the show off with something a little different this week. The Pop Five. That's the five big things we can't stop thinking about. First, an update on a story that we've talked about a few times on the show. Brittany Griner's detention. The WNBA star is currently being held in Russia, where she also plays for a Russian basketball team. She was arrested for allegedly bringing marijuana vape oil into the country. And even though the U.S. government has been trying to negotiate her release, Russian courts ruled on Monday that Griner will have to stay in trial. That trial is supposed to start on Friday, but her detention will be extended by six months pending the trial's outcome. We'll keep an eye on this story. Millennials and Gen Xers have something to celebrate this Halloween. The trailer for Hocus Pocus 2 just dropped. And much to the elation of many a millennial, Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy Najimy are all reprising their roles. Sticking with comebacks, the Elvis movie is getting some attention. There's a lot of people saying a lot of things. But in the end, you gotta listen to yourself. Apparently, the movie's doing pretty well at the box office compared to other movies. It's a Baz Luhrmann-directed biopic, so of course it's getting great reviews for the cinematography and scoring. But the movie is also getting some criticism for presenting a sanitized, not-so-true version of Elvis' career, especially when it comes to his relationship with Black music and Black musicians. And speaking of singers who sang longer than they should have, Omarion did a Versus last week, and the world's most unbothered man is still getting flamed on Twitter. Somehow, he lost to a bunch of songs we don't even know. Omarion went head-to-head with R&B singer Mario, and it wasn't pretty. At one point, Omarion tried to seductively eat watermelon on stage, and that still didn't help. Let me show you what to do, Mario. This is how you practice, bro. We got props. Even though you're all alone, all alone when I am gone, I just want to keep you warm. I'm coming back. Yes, I'll be thinking, yeah. Some of his former B2K group members who were not in attendance had a laugh about it all on Instagram. And Omarion clapped back and called them his background dancers. And B2K alum Jay Boog had a lot to say about that. In a lengthy Instagram post, he said Chris Brown took Omarion's career and Bow Wow took his tour. Mm-mm-mm. So much for my teenage fantasy of being the main girl in a B2K reunion video. The BET Awards also happened over the weekend. Mariah Carey performed with Lotto, Lizzo opened up the show, there was a Diddy tribute, and as we could have predicted, Lil Nas X was not in attendance. He said the awards show snubbed him this year. Go back and check out our episode all about that. But his pal Jack Harlow was nominated for a BET Award. So in solidarity, he wore a Lil Nas X t-shirt to the show. Jack Harlow also tried to save face for accidentally dissing R&B singer Brandy in an interview a few weeks ago. When he was asked to identify one of Brandy's iconic songs, Jack Harlow couldn't name the song. And when the host gave him the hint that the song is by Ray J's sister, he admitted that he didn't even know Ray J and Brandy were siblings. A lot of people on social media clowned him about that. But during his BET performance, he brought Brandy on stage. You can do it too, believe it. 
Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is world famous, one of the greatest living legends that I mentioned my That was cute and all, but I'm still confused. Like, how do you not recognize Brandy's voice? Do you even know the boy is mine, sitting on top of the world? Did you even watch the live action Cinderella? I'll get over this one day. Staying with the music. I don't know about y'all, but one week later, I still cannot get Beyonce's Break My Soul out of my head. Break My Soul borrows from Bounce artist Big Frida's song, Explode, and from the house classic Show Me Love by Robin S. And let's not forget a few days before Beyonce dropped her song, Drake released his house influence album, Honestly Nevermind. You have heard these sounds before. Maybe you've even bopped your head, tapped your feet, or hit a drop to them in the club. But I think it's safe to say that House is making a major comeback to the mainstream. And even though its height was in the 80s and 90s, it never really went away. When actor Michael K. Williams died, there was a video of him dancing to House music that went viral. One of the things that a lot of people didn't know is that he was a house head. That's Naima Cochran. She's a music and culture journalist and historian meaning that when there were a lot of house clubs or dance clubs, he was like heavy in the clubs dancing. Matter of fact, that's how he knew Queen Latifah, because La is a house head. And with their latest songs, Beyonce and Drake might be trying to turn us all into house heads. Today on Pop Culture, a conversation about house music. Where did it come from? Who are the pioneers? And why is it exactly what we need right now? House music has never really gone away. But Beyonce and Drake are introducing it to new listeners and reminding some of the old ones. But making dance music isn't new for either of them. Beyonce has been teasing the fact that she was going to go in this direction for a while. It's not a new thing for her. She's always taken some disco-tinged influence going back to Naughty Girls. which had a very, like, Donna Summer feel to it. Then Low, off the self-titled album. So I'm not surprised to see her finally jump in. But also, a friend reminded me, actually, that we were speculating last year that when we came back outside, so to speak, music was going to take a turn back to party music. And I think that's also what we're seeing reflected. We're all very weary and we want to party. And I think that's (laughs) kind of part of the inspiration for that as well. And as for Drake, let's just say he likes to dabble. Drake is very good for touring sonic influences. If there's something that's in the moment, Drake's going to touch on it at some point. Name it. Drake's been there, right? Straight up R&B harder hip-hop. I mean, he's given us takes on reggaeton. He's done Afro beats. My favorite Drake alter ego is Jamaican Drake. Your body drive me crazy. 
Your body need a license fit. Your body are too tight and neat. He's done dance before. Take Care was a house track. I'll be there for you. I would care for you. I keep thinking you just don't know. Trying to run from that. Say you're done with that. On your face, girl, it just don't show. If you ask me, it wasn't an electronic track, but that was 100% like house-inspired music. He likes to play, and I think that's really kind of what this album is. I really feel like Drake be at home, just like, I'm going to do this and put it out and see what happens. Drake and Beyonce might be adding their takes to house music, but artists like Kay Tronada, Daft Punk, and even the infamous Azalea Banks have been making house-influenced dance music for years. So maybe you're like, I love house music. I'm in the clubs every weekend getting it in. Or maybe you're like, what is this amazing collection of beats and sounds and where does it come from? And because Beyonce and Drake's new song sparked a bit of a debate, we're going to start with the first question. What even is house music? House music is a subgenre of dance music that was basically born out of disco. And honestly, most dance music is born out of disco, which is born out of funk. So everything goes back to funk. But there was the infamous night that disco died in Chicago. It was Thursday, July 12th, 1979. And the man who killed Disco was a Chicago-based rock and roll DJ named Steve Dahl. Every day I would play a disco record and drag the needle across it, you know, and scratch it and then blow it up. But I tapped into something. There's a, an undercurrent of hatred for Disco. Dahl was this really average white DJ who was completely frustrated by the fact that he couldn't get into the sexy disco clubs because disco was really for everybody but white cis hetero men. It was for brown people, queer people, and exciting people, and basically everybody who was not rock and roll's demo, which was white men. By the late 70s, there was a backlash against disco music, particularly from some rock and roll fans. So the backlash to disco was really, it was born of that. It was born of the dudes who were like the rock and roll cats feeling offended that they were left out of this whole really fashionable and exciting culture. It was also because disco had become a little cliche. By this point, it had gotten very schmaltzy, which we see happen sometimes when genres get oversaturated. But where it started from was something completely different than where we ended. Like Saturday Night Fever kind of tipped it over the edge. The White Sox owners decided to use some of this growing hate for disco to get some people in the stands. Disco sucks! Disco sucks! DJ Steve Dahl was already figuratively blowing up disco records on the radio every night. So they tapped him to host the disco demolition night at a White Sox Detroit Tigers doubleheader. Well, listen, we took all the disco records that you brought tonight. We got them in a giant box. And we're going to blow them up real good. Fans were told to bring in disco records to get in for less than a dollar. And in between the games, they blew them up. It turned into a melee. They're trying to rescue the uh, batting cage now out in short center. But security guards are going to have a very tough time trying to handle this many people. Made all kinds of headlines. One of the saddest sights I've ever seen in a ballpark in my life. This garbage of demolishing a record has turned into a fiasco. I know you haven't ever seen anything like this. Nor has anyone else. But people who were there 
also reported that they were bringing in like Stevie Wonder albums and Marvin Gaye albums and basically just Black music, right? Because that's part of what disco coded meant, Black music and or gay music. And so in the mainstream, at least, that was the end of the disco era. But like most music, it didn't really die. So as a genre, everybody really says that disco went away. Disco never went away. It evolved and it changed names. Disco went to Philly, New York and became boogie music. So it became like the Philadelphia International stuff with the Jacksons. It became the Patrice Russian forget-me-nots. And it went to Chicago and became house. In order to define house music, before you even get to the sounds, you kind of have to get to the culture. So house music was not a mainstream thing. It was underground. It was small clubs, DJ-driven, as all these genres were. So with house, you have Frankie Knuckles, you have Larry Levon, you have DJ Ron Hardy. Frankie Knuckles was a New York and Chicago-based DJ who's known as the godfather of house. A lot of people say he invented the genre. Here he is in the 80s talking about house music. It is disco music, you know, so it's not really that much different in the middle of 70s, you know, and the uh, early 80s. You know, the warehouse was concerned, it was the only after I was put here, you know, and I was allowed to get away with anything I wanted to when it came to, you know, putting music on for them, you know, and people accepted that. Larry Levon was another early New York City house DJ. He was known for getting the party popping. He had a residency at this club called the Paradise Garage. And that was the place to be in the late 70s and 80s if you were into dance and house music. What we're hearing right now is from one of his sets. It's kind of like they really rescued disco and morphed it into this other thing. So they were mixing, and this is the same way disco started. It started with the ways that you extend certain songs, the way that you extend, as did hip-hop, the way you extend the best parts of the breakbeats, the way you extend the parts to get people to dance, the way you add other stuff to it. So that was the same thing they were doing with House. They were basically in the clubs, playing around with how they could mix the sounds, what else they could add into the sounds. So what emerged was like this combination of disco, funk, soul, and a little bit of Afro, you know, very beat-driven very percussion-driven, and that became house music. House didn't just stay in Chicago and New York. There's Baltimore house, known as Baltimore club music, and later came South African house music. There's also, across the Midwest, there's Detroit house. And like you said, there's Baltimore house. There is, there is a large house culture in the DMV area. And there was a large house culture in the New York and New Jersey area. So there are pockets of the country that have this culture and they have taken it and adapted it to make it their own, it travels overseas and it becomes something different in Europe, becomes something different in France, and then it comes back or becomes something different in Africa. So what you have is this history of like people adding onto the music, adding their own touches, it coming back to where it started. Then you build off of that. And it really is kind of like a beautiful way to trace a history of musical evolution, looking how different areas have put their own touch on it. Like Soul to Soul is house slash dance music. And, you know, they come from the UK. And so there's that own touch that they had on it. And while house was traveling the world, it kept evolving and converging with other dance genres. 
There was a really heavy era in the 90s for about, I would say the late 80s going into the early 90s, which was coming off of the house explosion going into a techno era. So there was this pocket between the two. And this is when you had like a Robin S. You had Lisa Lisa going from doing freestyle to R&B to moving into a more dance area. You had like a C.C. Peniston. We've got another young lady coming your way. She said when she was growing up, she was inspired by Patti LaBelle and Luther Vandross. Here's C.C. Peniston and finally. And when you had a lot of kind of dance inspired music on the charts, not just the New Jack Swing stuff, but stuff that was really more kind of club leaning when Club MTV was on the air. And I haven't seen it in an urban mainstream space like that. Since. Obviously, EDM has had a huge moment, but I think we might be coming back to more of a funk-leaning kind of dance era, or at least that's what Beyonce seems to be doing. So by now, you've heard us talk about funk, disco, EDM, techno, and house music. But those are just some of the big ones. There are so many types of dance music. I mean, EDM and house music have their own subgenres. But you can think about all of this dance music like stops on a train. A soul train, if you will. Funk is the first stop. It all originates from that point. Some stops seem a lot like previous stops. Others feel a lot further from the first stop, like James Brown to Skrillex. But at each point, the music borrows from the stuff that came before it and adds something new. So if I had to break dance down in the genres, for me, it's like you go to disco, you go to house, you go to boogie. And like I said, boogie is kind of like that easy space in the early 80s that sounds more like an R&B lean in disco. It's basically if you're doing a New York Soul Classic set, you're doing boogie music. Like Michael Jackson, Baby Be Mine. Like I said, all, all the Patrice Russian songs, all of those joints, like the McFadden and the Whitehead, like all of that. So there's that, there's house. Then you get into more of like a club kind of dance, which is when you've closed down the discotheques, but now there are dance clubs that are popular. And that's when you start to lean into more of like a, an electronic leaning dance. So that's when we get into, like, with the Robiness and with the Martha Wash and with the CNC Music Factory and the Black Box and the CC Peniston and the Crystal Waters. So then we get into that because that's when it becomes, like, a more commercial culture. Then we go to techno, which is when it starts becoming more of, like, you do like, you can do, like, the head nod, weird sounds, whatever thingy. And then we get to EDM. And that line between club and techno is where I get off. <laughs> like, I just, because I once we get to techno, I can't really dance the way I want to. So that's where I get off. But the through line is this. Disco had what's called four on the floor. That was about the beat and the tempo. So first and foremost, there has to be a driving tempo, right? It is all about whatever that bass line is. It's all about whatever their percussion is. But then you definitely want to have something that is kind of like an earworm, right? I know that some people EDM kind of maybe sounds like noise, 
But there is a through line there. There's a build, right? And it goes somewhere. One of the things I love about house music is that very often, as does disco, it starts really slow or it starts very simple. It starts with just vocals or it starts with just one part of the bass line or it starts with a mid-tempo and then it just keeps building, keeps building as EDM does. I think that's one of the things that they all have in common. There's a build, there's a crescendo. It takes you on a journey. You don't just start at the top. Like it gives you a little bit of time to like work yourself up into a fever because it's for the dance floor. And I think the other thing is, it's really more about how it's gonna make you move than you singing along or than you remembering the lyrics or anything like that. The thing about disco and house and EDM and all of these dance tracks, these dance subgenres, is that it's dance. Like it literally is dance. The end goal is to make you move, to keep you on the floor, and just for you to be able to lose yourself in the music, which is why the the track itself and the tempo and the rhythm is really the important part. But there are a few differences when it comes to EDM and house music. EDM is electronic dance music. So technically, house falls under the EDM umbrella. But when people say EDM, they're mostly talking about the stuff that's been popular in recent years. Think like Diplo and Calvin Harris. Kanye West has done EDM, Kelly Rowland, and Usher. People on Twitter call it oomph, oomph, music. I can't make the sound. That's my very bad impression of the sound that that driving beat makes. But there's more to EDM. Now, Naima admits she's not a huge fan, but here's how she breaks it down. House music took disco and kind of deconstructed it and made it feel a little bit more gritty and raw and slowed down. And some of that was about equipment. Like, it wasn't supposed to feel... Like I said, disco got to a point where it felt very shiny. House music is not supposed to feel shiny. House music is supposed to feel a little more organic and a little more raw. And it's supposed to feel a little bit more uninhibited, right? Now, EDM is not just shiny, it's neon glowing, sizzling, sparkling, Times Square lights. It is electronic dance music, meaning it feels very synthesized. It feels very programmed. It feels very high frequency, almost like, to me, it makes me feel a little anxious. And I think the other thing is that they are meant for similar but different kinds of dance experiences. The house music, even though at this point it's grown large enough so that you can definitely be at a quote-unquote house party where it'd be, you know, tons and tons of people. But the clubs that this was born out of, they were smaller and intimate communities. So you're literally probably like in a basement joint, like a basement club, getting it in. Whereas EDM is very much meant for like arenas and Vegas lounges. Like it's meant for really big spaces with a lot of room and a lot of people and a lot of pulsating lights, like a lot of things happening that are sensory experiences on top of the music. So the music it really meant is meant to go with like a whole sensory overload. To me, EDM don't make me want to dance. It just makes you want to like flop around. Like you want to mm -hmm. jump maybe. Jump, exactly. You want to spin around. Like it definitely inspires movement, 
you're not hitting no steps to EDM. Like Mm-mm. house music, you are getting it in. You are move like you get you got kicks, jumps, drops, spins, all kind of whatever. So it's it the the rhythm is different. It's very different. Okay, so now you know what house music and other dance music is. You know the pioneers of house and even a few songs. But if you're making your house music playlist, you may need to know a few more. And we're going to help you build that playlist. There's a few different ways you can enter this. So if you want to talk about house and hip hop, I would suggest spending some time with Native Tongues, with Jungle Brothers, Queen Latifah, Tribe and De La. Jungle Brothers has a house shoe. Which is literally just like the repeated chorus, girl, I'll house you, you in my hut. Now, you know, um, Queen Latifah has come into my house and then she has another song called Dance For Me. And then there are the ones you've probably heard before, maybe at a cookout or a birthday party, like Ray's Break For Love or Soho's Hot Music or... Ally Us, A-L-Y-U-S, follow me. Follow me, follow me. Follow me, follow me, follow me. I think almost everybody knows that song. But then when you move into more of like a club dance, that's where you get like, CeCe Penistons keep on walking. Penistons Keep On Walking is like a techno dance track. Um, what you can try to hear by like, again, it's a it's a driving bass line, really high tempo, all that good stuff. There are a bunch of songs that I'd put under that category. Although house heads might argue with me about which city claims them and where on the dance spectrum they fall. Like one of the first house songs I ever danced to, The Percolator. It's time for The Percolator. It's time for the percolator. It's time for the percolator. Crystal Waters, Gypsy Woman. Crystal Waters also had 100% Pure Love. That was a house. That was a house song as well. Some people would even say that Roy Ayers' Running Away is kind of like a house song. But I think that's more of a disco. It's somewhere in that mix. They're all related. That's what you really have to remember more than anything else. So now you've been listening to your playlist, you're feeling like a house head, it's time to hit the club. But there's one question that remains. The one that sends me into a meltdown every weekend. What do you wear? So back in the day, like at the garage, you would look fly, but you definitely were going dressed to move. So if you think about the highlight of the house music era, it might have been crop tops, like a loose pant, maybe like a harem pant, or you were wearing some leggings or something like that. But honestly, you might look cute, but primarily you were going to be able to move and dance. Like it wasn't going to be no, I can't move in these jeans. It wasn't going to be no, these heels too high. I can't dance. Even now, if you go to house picnics, people come out. And they come out with like the cute little rip Venice t-shirts and they might have on like some jean shorts. 
They got on a fanny pack. Fanny pack or crossbody is essential because they're moving. And that's their whole language. Like the whole time, they're just on the floor. There is no such thing as sitting down. There is no such thing as you busy getting pictures for the gram. You come to dance. If you didn't come to dance, you can go home. Like, period. You stop to get a drink. You stop to get your breath. But you come to dance. So I think what we that might even be in general something that's hard to return to because that hasn't been the case for a night scene here in a very long time. I mean, I've seen it at specialty parties, right? That are specialty genre parties. But in general, it's more like people leave surprised if they danced all day. Like, wow, I can't believe I just danced the whole joint. But that that's the scene I would love to see this summer. Just people abandoning themselves to the music and just enjoying it without worrying about taking the photos, without worrying about getting a video, without worrying about having a phone out, without worrying about the hookah, without worrying about the bottles, without worrying, like, without worrying about the excess. It's really meant to be a connection person to person, like, through the music. We, I think, are coming into a new era right now. From what I understand about House, and even from Beyonce's song, like, if you listen to the words, it also samples Big Frida's Explode, right? Release your anger, release your job. Well, right, well the, the right. sample says that, right? And then Beyonce's lyrics are also encouraging, like, you outside, but you're not really outside. Like, it's right. encouraging people to dance and have fun. Are we ready for this era? And, like, why? Like, why is this, like, the time for House? Okay, this is where I'm going to sound really old, but it's fine. So, I'm a Gen Xer. We grew up dancing to everything, to everything, to everything. Every Gen Xer you know still got a hot 16 that they learned in high school because we had dance routines. Like, it was that serious, right? So, for me, I can think of a couple of different times when dance and party had to really make a resurgence. So, I grew up on a hip-hop that spanned a genre like the NWAs and the Dr. Dre's. But if you think about it, you listen to The Chronic and you listen to Doggy Style, you can dance to them songs. You know what I mean? Like, it's very melodic. It has swing to it, some of them. But we also had heavy. Who made party music, you know, can play made party music. And then you get to the Bad Boy era, with the Hitmen and you get to Trackmasters and Jermaine Dupri and stuff like that. Party people in the place to be. Uh-huh. It's about that time for us to what you know about Remember, this was right after the gangster rap era. Tupac had been killed in 1996, Biggie a year later. And Mace and Bad Boy dropped this song only a few months after he died. We went through like a really heavy party period. Everything had been heavy and it was like, yo, we need it to be fun outside again. And now I think that hip hop lost the fun again. The one thing I will give credit to Drake for is that I think Drake does still try to keep it fun. But I feel like for a large part, with the exception of a couple of tracks that maybe even are accidentally something that you really want to pop to, like, yeah, you can body roll a couple of joints. You got some quotables on joints, but they're not fun, not fun, fun, which is why when I'm outside, 
everybody is playing songs from 20 years ago. And now all of a sudden, y'all playing songs from when I was in high school. If I have to hear Can We Talk at one more damn party. <laughs> we did not play Can We Talk that much when Can We Talk came out. But there is a lean into the music that feels good. Even if you just go back to the mid-2000s, that snap music, big t-shirt, candy paint rim era, that shit was fun. Like, you go back and listen to it now, it's bright. It feels light. Even if they're talking trash, it still, it feels light, you know? And again, you want to snap your fingers and do your stuff, right? None of this music right now makes me want to snap my fingers and do my stuff. I think that a couple of things are happening. One, obviously the world has been in a very dark place and it needs the light, which is also why there's been such a heavy return to catalog music. People are going back. It's why Versus has been so big. It's why DJ Cassidy's past the mic has been so big. It's why sampling is back. People are going back to what's comforting and familiar. And two, again, as you're coming out of a dark place, like the environment needs to change. So if you're going to actually go outside now, if you haven't been outside for real, for real after a while, you're not trying to just go outside and stand around and look at people and scroll through Instagram. You need to be outside with intention and purpose, which means I'm trying to go outside and have a good time. I want to go outside and dance. I want to go outside and reclaim everything that I lost in the last however many years. I want to go outside and just feel the freedom of being outside, you know? And I think that is something a lot of us are yearning for, whether we realize it or not. That's it for us today. I'm Bridget Armstrong, host and senior producer of the show, and I work with the baddest party people in audio. Alicia Key is the show's producer. We had production help from Blake Lou Merwin. Andrew Calloway is our senior engineer. He had help from Ellie McAfee-Hahn. And Graylin Brashear is our senior director of audio. Big thanks to Naima Cochran for talking to me. We'll have links to her website and some of her work in the show notes. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode. And in the meantime, be sure to rate, subscribe, and tell a friend.